we are repentant. We are grateful. We are redeemed. We are prayerful. We are First Baptist Church. Once more, um, if you're with us online, thank you so much for worshiping with us. And we want to continue to challenge you in your own living rooms to stay engaged with us. We know it can, can get really easy at home with all the distractions, so stay engaged. But we're delighted you're worshiping with us. And I'm glad you're in the room with us as well. So welcome to Logos Worship. I'm Danny, and I have the privilege of, of leading you every week into God's Word. And what a blessing it is that we have to do this together also, let me encourage you to continue to give to the ministry of First Baptist Church. As God leads us to love well in this city, you can give very easily uh, by going to fbcsa.org give, or you notice we have these little bins uh, next to our exits uh, right to your left. You can deposit those things right there, too, on your way out. But continue to give as we faithfully seek to serve and uh, be on mission with God in this city. And so as uh, Pastor uh, Jimmy has already told us that we have been on this journey in a very literal sense with Paul in the letter to the Philippian church. And last week he really encouraged us by telling us that we were redeemed into a brand new life through Jesus but not into a life that is to be ruled by fear or by self-righteousness or pride, right? He says, I, I don't want you to live in fear, worried uh, whether or not you have done enough good stuff that you've accrued a righteousness of your own. You're, you're not supposed to live in fear because we have Jesus' righteousness. And he says, nor are you supposed to live in pride as if you've kind of arrived, that you have it all together and that you are self-righteous and that you do have enough righteousness. And he would say, and for those reasons, I don't want you to listen to anyone who would tell you otherwise. I want you to set your sights on Jesus and his righteousness. In fact, he would say, I want you to rejoice in the Lord always. I want you to live a life with great joy and freedom that we have in Jesus and with great humility. Right? That's the kind of life that Paul really is encouraging us to live, celebrating and rejoicing in the righteousness of Jesus, which is ours by faith, rather than living in fear and pride. And that really sets us up for where we are today. So if you could stand with me, we're going to read God's Word, beginning in verse 12 of chapter 3. We're only going to read verses 12 through 14 today. Um, and so let's read this together. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things, or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Thank you so much. You may be seated. 
Let's pray together. Uh, Father, bless the reading of your word and bless the receiving of your word. And Lord, may we be encouraged wherever we are in our own spiritual journeys to take that next step. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. So in verse 12 of chapter 3, Paul says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. Paul's simply saying, I want you to know that as we've been talking about the righteousness of Jesus and that Jesus has secured for us his righteousness, I just want to be really upfront with you and let you know that I have not arrived. I have not reached that place of perfection. I have not attained these things which Jesus has already secured for us. I have not arrived. In fact, Paul would say, I want you to know that until Jesus returns, I am very much in transit. I am very much in process. I haven't crossed the finish line. I'm still on this journey headed to a particular destination. Don't you love Paul? Don't you love Paul? Sometimes we can think of him as this theological wizard. I mean, he was a brain, and God used his giftedness. Um, uh, But Paul is not aloof to what God is doing in his own life, and he loves these people that God has entrusted in his care, and he says to them, you want to know my testimony and my story? I have not arrived. I'm not perfect. I am not righteous in all the ways that Jesus has secured righteousness for me. I am very much in transit. Now, I want you to know, some of you who know my life, I felt like I grew very much up in transit. I'm a missionary kid, and so um, I have had the privilege of traveling all across the world on airplanes and trains and automobiles. Um, I really didn't mean to, to do that there, but it happened. Um, But I grew up very much in transit. And if you know, if you've traveled much, you know you get on a plane starting in one location and you have a destination in mind. And odds are, if you're traveling across the world, you're hitting a few stops along the way. That's your, your layover. You've got to stay in one destination so that you can get to the next and to your final destination. I was very much in process, in transit, as I traveled most of my life. And I've discovered that um, those layovers, those next stops onto my final destination could either, either be wonderful or not so great. And so I remember growing up as a kid, our stop between the United States and West Africa was Amsterdam and Skipbowl Airport. Oh, let me tell you. When we were returning back to the States or we were returning back to West Africa, we looked forward to, because usually we had to stay the night in a really cool hotel, but we looked forward to stopping over in Skipbowl because Skipbowl Airport had this fantastic European market with all the meats and cheeses and all the cool stores, especially if we're coming from West Africa. We're re-encountering things we haven't seen in a long time, and so we'd get there for that layover, and we'd buy baskets of little stuff to eat. It was awesome. It's great. That stop was wonderful on to my final destination, but some other stops weren't so great. I remember one time I was traveling uh, back from Germany to the States. This is while I was 
in college, and um, I don't know how this happened, but we landed in a snowstorm in New York City and was stranded in New York City, uh, JFK Airport, for three days. Three days. Couldn't go anywhere. We just slept on the floor. They gave us little blankets and pillows, and the only food that they gave us was hot dogs for every single meal. And by the last day, by the last day, because we weren't wearing masks, um, I caught the flu. And so three days, blizzard, hot dogs, no shower, no bath, on the floor, catch the flu on my last day. Last day. And so this is what Paul is saying. He's saying, listen, I have not arrived. I am very much in transit on to my next destination. And some of my stops along the way uh, have been great, and some of them have been very challenging to get to where I'm going. But I haven't arrived yet. I haven't arrived yet. And that's what Paul is saying to them. And he goes on in verse, um, in verse 12. He says, But I press on to possess the perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. So here's the question for us, and we know the answer, but let's talk about it just for a minute. What was Paul's final destination? As he was sharing, you know, I'm very much in process. I'm in transit. I'm on a stop along the way to my final destination. What was Paul's final destination? Well, he says it in a lot of different ways. He describes it as these things. In verse 12, he describes it as perfection. He describes it as these things for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. And so what is Paul talking about? We've already alluded to it. He's pointing back to these previous verses where he said, I live very much by faith, not in my own righteousness, but in the righteousness of Jesus. I long for the day that I experience the power of God in my life in my own personal resurrection when Jesus Christ returns. So what are these things? What is perfection? What has Christ Jesus possessed for Paul, what is his final destination on this journey that he is on? It's righteousness. That's what, that's what Paul means. That's what Paul means. He's saying, my final day's destination is complete, whole righteousness that becomes my own through Jesus. There will be a day when I am perfect. I am perfect. But I want you to notice how personal this is. If we go back to some previous verses when Paul is talking about these things, from the verses from last week, I want you to notice how he describes righteousness. Righteousness is a person for Paul. He says things like this, for the sake of Christ, to gain Christ, knowing Christ, to be found in Christ, to be one with Christ, to experience the power of Christ's resurrection in my own life. For Paul, righteousness is just, isn't just an accumulation of good deeds, right? But for Paul, righteousness is knowing now by faith the person of Jesus who is holy and righteous. 
And for me, as I read these verses that Paul talks about this relationship that he has with his Jesus, his desire to reach that destination, to know the fullness of Christ, to gain Christ, to live for the sake of Christ. He's talking about Jesus is my destination. And in my faith in Christ, that's where my righteousness is made complete. Righteousness is not just a list of great things and good deeds and good words, but it is a person that Paul experiences and hopes to attain in all of Jesus' fullness in the future. And that's what faith looks like. Paul is describing his attitude towards this journey. He's really describing faith, isn't he? My sights are set on Jesus. I want to know him more. I want to know the fullness of Jesus. I trust in the righteousness of Jesus. Jesus has secured righteousness for me. That's faith. That's what it looks like to live by faith in this journey, looking to a person, looking to a person. And so that's his destination. Paul wants to get to Jesus in all of his fullness. And that's a fulfillment of John chapter 17, verse 3, isn't it? When Jesus said, I want you to know that all of eternal life, your life, my life, from the day that you're born and for all time is about knowing God and knowing the one whom he has sent, Jesus. And that's what Paul is saying. I have set my sights not on a thing or a list of things, but I've set my sights on a person. And Jesus has secured and possessed that for me himself. And I've already mentioned also, Paul also sets his sight on that fulfillment of that promise of knowing Christ in his own personal resurrection. I want you to see that. Back in verse 10 of chapter 3, he says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. That's a description of these things in verse 12. These things. That's my destination. My destination is to know and experience the mighty power of Christ that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection of the dead. So we see two things that are one and the same, that Paul's destination, his end goal, is to know Jesus in all in his fullness. And he has put his faith and trust in the righteousness of Christ, the death and resurrection of Christ in the person of Jesus who has already secured that righteousness for him and he's set his sights on Jesus and he says also I know that that fulfilled promise is going to come when Jesus raises me from the dead. That's his final destination. Uh, Romans chapter 8 verses 29 through 30 um, says this. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Paul's talking about final destination kind of stuff. Jesus went to the cross and rose from the grave to secure me as his son and to make me more like his son Jesus. Verse 30, and having chosen them, he called them to come to him, and having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. There's that righteousness in Jesus, not a righteousness of my own, but a righteousness in Jesus. And having given them right standing, he gave them his 
glory. Other translations say that we are promised to be glorified in Jesus. And that's what Paul is talking about. His final destination and his sights are set on in this journey, being in transit. He said, my sights are set on knowing Jesus in all in his fullness and being fully glorified in Christ through the resurrection of the dead. How many of you guys think about the resurrection of the dead? Where you are right now in your life? Going to school, going to work, doing family stuff, staying busy. Are your sights set on one day? I will experience glory through the power and might of Jesus Christ and in my own personal resurrection. I will be made whole, perfect. These things, that which Christ has secured for me. That's where Paul's heart was. When you are in transit, you always have to keep your sights set on the destination. Uh, those of you who have traveled a lot, and you know this well. In fact, from the very beginning, when you go to that ticket counter and, um, and you give them your name and show them the passport, they ask you, even though they can see it on the screen, they say, where are you going? Um, and sometimes I get bumbled with that, and I'm like, and I'm, like I'm scared I'm going to say the wrong destination. But, um, but anyway, they ask you, where are you going? You've got to tell them, well, I'm, I'm headed to Lome, Togo, West Africa, or whatever the destination is. But even along the way, you have to set your sights on your final destination, because if you don't, you're likely to get lost or bogged down in a place you don't want to stay, because that's not where you're headed. Right? If you're on a layover and you get off of that plane... One of the first things I do when I get off the plane and off the jetway and into that terminal, you know where I go? I go to that screen that tells me where I need to go to the next gate so I can get on my plane to my next stop. But can you imagine if we were in transit and traveling and that just wasn't on your radar? You just got off the jetway and like, oh, I'm just here. You never looked where your gate was. You never asked for help. You never really read the signs. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying, listen, I'm in transit. I'm in process, but I have set my sights on the destination. And I'm looking for the signs. I'm looking for that next stop. And I'm ambitious to see what God is doing in the here and now to move me forward to where I'm headed. But we have to set our sights on that final destination so we don't get stuck, so we don't get bogged down. How does Paul keep from getting bogged down? I love this. Paul tells us. He just kind of shares what he does so he can avoid getting bogged down. So what does he do? He tells us from the very beginning, he says it in a diff different ways, but he says in verse 12, but I press on, I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. I'm headed towards that final destination. I'm not going to get bogged down in fear and pride. I'm going to move on to where God is taking me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Here he is. He's about to tell us, this is how I do it. This is how I move on. This is how I don't get stuck in fear and pride and self-righteousness or just absent-mindedness. This is what I do. He says, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. 
I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. We get a snapshot of how Paul moves forward, how he takes next steps in this spiritual, real-life journey with Jesus. And he says, this is what I do. I press on. I look to that next stop, that next gate that I've got to get to, that, that next oh, huge escalator that I've got to go up, or that long walkway. My, I'm always looking to press on, and I forget what lies behind. He just got through encouraging the people not to get stuck in fear. Right? Or inadequacy. He says, don't believe those people that just say you've got to just work hard on your own because it's all about your righteousness. He says, don't, don't live in fear. Don't get stuck in the sin in the moment. What you did yesterday, just forget what lies behind. Move on and press on. This is what Paul says. He says, listen, I want you to know I'm not getting stuck. I'm not getting bogged down. Prison, it's not going to hold me back. It's not going to keep me doing what God has called me to do. And sin, no, listen, I'm going to go boldly before God, my Father, knowing that Jesus has already secured forgiveness for me. I'm not going to keep my sin that I committed yesterday to keep me from moving forward. I'm going to forget about it. I'm going to trust in Christ's forgiveness on the cross that he secured for me there. Inadequacies, fruitfulness, I'm going to abide in Jesus I'm not going to let my fruitlessness, my sin, or even the suffering that I'm experiencing in the moment keep me from looking to where God is taking me to complete what he has promised me. I'm going to forget about it. I'm going to leave it in my dust. I'm not going to be overwhelmed by it. I'm going to trust. I'm going to trust in Jesus. And he says, I'm going to look forward. I'm going to forget what lies behind. I'm going to look forward. Paul is saying, I want to know what my next stop is on the journey. That's how Paul's thinking. I want to know what my next stop is on the journey. So, uh, goodness gracious, how do we forget what lies behind? How does that work in real life? So recently, let me just, I'll just be open and honest with you. Recently, uh, as a dad, I have felt like I've really been stumbling in this whole nurturing my family to know and love God more. I just really have been falling behind on having family devotional time in God's words, God's word. Uh, praying together, talking about what's coming up the week. And um, it has really convicted me that I feel like I've really dropped the ball. And so I have a choice to make. I have a choice to make. Am I going to get lost in that moment of conviction? Am I going to get stuck in that disappointment or even in my own sin and not leading in all the ways that it should? Or am I going to forget what lies behind? I, I, I know that's not the kind of leadership that I want to be consistent in my home. And so, Lord, I'm going to forget the past few weeks. I'm going to put that behind me and make a decision today to move forward. Right? And, and so this week, Lord, I'm going to really take the initiative 
to lead the way that I should in my home. But so many of us get stuck in our own shame, don't we? In the places that we failed. And we feel like I just didn't measure up. And so we just kind of get stuck there. And, and, and we don't want many people to know about it. We keep it to ourselves. We don't talk about it with our families. And we just get stuck in this cycle of this, our own personal shame and sin. Paul says you can't stay there. You can't stay there. Remember, you have already been forgiven for that sin. Remember that suffering that you're experiencing doesn't have the last word on your life. Jesus does. And Jesus has already secured your righteousness, which means you can pick up right where you are and say, Lord, by your grace today, help me lead well. By your grace today, help, help me have victory over that sin. By your grace today, I'm going to be intentional and work out my salvation. I'm going to press on in all the ways that you've equipped me to press on. I'm not going to let sin and shame and suffering get the best of me because I'm yours. And you've already secured that for me. It's so easy to get stuck and lose sight of the destination, isn't it? So easy to get discouraged or distracted or even just forget what we're all about, where we're headed. God doesn't want us to be stuck. He doesn't want us to forget. A young person or adult as your pastor, let me remind you, if you're a follower of Jesus, if he has redeemed you and your faith is in the work of the Son, your destination, your goal is righteousness and wholeness in Christ that ultimately will be completed when Jesus Christ returns and you experience your own personal resurrection in the same way that Jesus rose from the grave. Can I encourage you to set your sights there? Don't be, don't be deluded uh, by all the niceties and pretty things that we see in this world, or don't be swayed or hold on to shame because of your own personal sin. Set your sights on Jesus. That's where you're headed. That's where God has destined you to go through Jesus. Some of us feel like there's no way I can get past where I am. This sin is just too great. This stop along the way is just too burdensome. I don't see how I can get past this. You know, there have been moments when I've been in transit where I felt the exact same way. How in the world am I going to get home from here? How are we going to make our next stop? Um, I took a group of students when I was in youth ministry. We were traveling from Virginia all the way to Palms, uh, West Palm Springs in Florida. And we had, um, obviously, a, a large bus. And uh, less than an hour outside of Richmond, Virginia, we blew a tire on a bus, which isn't cool, by the way. And so we had, luckily, there were dual tires in the back, so we still had one tire, but we had to pull over. And it took about close to three hours to get the tire repaired. Whew, that was behind us. That was easy. I was like, we can get a tire fixed. Well, we stop about 30 minutes, uh, 30 minutes or about an hour after that um, to get gas. And um, I start putting gas in this bus. And gasoline just starts flowing out from underneath the car of the bus. 
Uh, here I am with 30 some odd students and I'm thinking there is no way there's no way we're going to make it to Florida we're just going to have to have the church come because we're only three hours out they're going to have to come and bring us all home and so I decided well let's just let's just call somebody so this is at this point it's after midnight we go into uh, luckily it was a really nice gas station I'm like do you know a guy and still, I'm like, how do you fix something like this? A gaping hole in the gas line. How do you fix something like this? And so I go ahead and call this guy. I'm like, listen, this is what's going on. I don't know if you can do anything. It's after midnight. He's like, yeah, I'll be there. And so this guy pulls up in this little truck. He was like a little over five feet tall. He crawled underneath that bus. And in less than 30 minutes, he had it fixed. And I don't know exactly how he did it, but we were back on the road headed to our destination. How many of us get stuck and bogged down, convinced that there's no way we can get past this shameful sin, this secret sin, or there's no way that I can get past the, the suffering and the burden that I experience in this suffering. There is no way, because of my fruitlessness, that I can be of any value to the church. We can't see past the stop along the way. That's why Paul says in Corinthians, God will always make a way for you. You will experience all kinds of temptation in transit. You will get bogged down and stuck in different places and stops and layovers along the way, but God will always make a way. The question isn't whether or not God makes a way. The question is, do we have our sights actually set on the destination so they're actually looking for the signs and the opportunities to get past where we are? So brother and sister, where are you right now in your spiritual journey? Where are you? Are you bogged down? Are you wrestling with a particular sin in your life? Are you experiencing suffering? Are you stuck? Where are you? And so let's heed the testimony of Paul where he says, press on. Set your sights on Jesus and move past and pursue the end goal in Christ. Will you do that with me? When Jesus went to the cross um, and rose from the grave, he set in motion a recreative work. In fact, it even began when he came as a little baby, the incarnation of Jesus. He set in motion a recreative journey for all those who would believe in him, that we would be made in the image of the Son, conformed to his image. And the death and the resurrection, we come back to it once a month as a church family to remember that that's, that's our destination. And Jesus made it possible on, in his death and resurrection from the grave. And so we have a privilege as a church family to remember what Christ has done through taking of the Lord's Supper. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your mercy and grace. Uh, thank you for the testimony of Paul. Help us to cling to the gospel, to trust in the power of the gospel, 
to continue this journey faithfully. Lord, help us to remember today. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. First Baptist Church has been broadcasting its services of new life and historic faith for 46 years. We would like to ask that you continue to pray with us for this ministry and also for your financial support so that we can continue this ministry for years to come. Thank you.